forever. Dog. When your first choice is a big old bus, you turn around and boom, you end up with us. You fucks, you stupid little fucks, you sloppy little fucks, you dirty little fucks. It's me. And me. Meatball and Big, Big Dipper. Dipper's here. And welcome to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball. Do you think we could do that on a rhythm? Hi, you fucks, you stupid little fucks, you sloppy little fucks. Hi, you fucks, you stupid little fucks, you sloppy little fucks, you dirty little fucks, you nasty little fucks. It's me. That is like the song from... um. Um. Uh. Uh. Oh well, the Wells Fargo Magan is a cop. What show is that? Music Man. When they're in the um train and it's like, did it, did it, did it, did it. What do you talk? What do you talk? Okay, never mind. Oh yeah, come on. Someone out there, someone out there will know, and they will get it. Who do you know? Who do you know? What do you get? What do you get? Well, today is Juneteenth, honey. It is. So most white people don't know about Juneteenth or didn't learn about Juneteenth because it is not talked about in our education system. And truthfully, I literally learned about it a few years ago when mm. the show Blackish did an episode about Juneteenth as a holiday, uh, which was released in 2017. So like two and a half years ago. And that's embarrassing and sad. But um, Juneteenth is a big deal. It is a huge deal. It, it wait. Um. Well, we. I'm just gonna read what it's about. Oh yeah. But I basically, just pulled, like, a it was. Thing, so. Yeah, but yeah. Well, this will explain it better than I could. Juneteenth is celebrated June 19th to commemorate the emancipation of slaves in the U.S. The holiday was first celebrated in Texas, where on the date in 1865, in the aftermath of the Civil War, slaves were declared free. The war had ended months earlier in April, and Abraham Lincoln actually signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st of 1863. Juneteenth is recognized as a staged holiday. State, 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 Yeah, I was like, this is not a staged holiday, honey. She real. Juneteenth is recognized as a state holiday or a special day of observation in 47 out of the 50s. Observance? What? Uh oh, observance in forty-seven of the. Well, here's all I know is that I haven't seen it observed or celebrated in a lot of states at all. I think what it is is it's one of those like. Um, and also, just to reiterate, it is a celebration that slaves were free two years after they were free. slaves were free. So pe- people were still holding slaves in eighteen sixty-five. I so literally remember learning about. Um, Oh, yeah, and because of, like, the mail system and there were no phone. Like, no, it, just took it was, a long they were time. taking advantage of yes. the fact that pe- information was not getting to people because they were withholding the information. They wanted to keep their slaves. And Texas was the, the trash. This is, was the fur- furthest away from um, Washington, and so it was sort of this, like, Confederate stronghold because there were the smallest amount of, like, union soldiers there and so therefore they were just like not abiding by for for two and a half years not abiding by the emancipation proclamation which is so fucked so and then they and then they wonder why people are mad but okay i think uh juneteenth should be like a full ass holiday like it is how we some i just saw some state is declaring it a holiday a paid holiday 
Um, yeah, yeah think, but and also we're not the- doing July Fourth this year, just right. so everyone knows. <laughs> if I hear one firework, I'm. I was gonna say calling the police, but I won't do that either. I'm just going straight to the problem. I hear the person launching the firework night in my neighborhood. Do you? Yeah. No, but on LA our next- loves fireworks. LA do love fireworks at night. If you go over to Boyle Heights, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I mean, it, literally, the people who the driveway is out my back window, they set yeah. off fireworks every night. Where PJ lives, she lives kind of up on top of a hill, and when you like look down over it, you could just see all the fireworks going off. It's beautiful, but it's loud, fireworks. and I have real anxiety with like loud popping noises. Yeah. So I don't well, like Kitty. Kitty, the dog that I live with, she hates the I'm fireworks. Basically, a skittish dog. <laughs> Um, just uh, to well, catch up. Happy Happy Juneteenth! Or Happy Juneteenth to you too. Should I, we talk about your home state of Texas? Let's talk about it because I've been screaming at my mom. Because anytime there's a fucking one of those dumbass flyovers, they yeah, my mom and my dad jets. with the jets that are like twenty thousand dollars to fly over, but like no, we're not buying masks or rep- respirators. Anyway, my mom will go out there and she's like, we stayed away from everybody. And I was like, are y'all wearing masks at least? And she's like, no, we don't do that anymore. Okay. So COVID cases are up and continue to rise. And in Texas, they're literally saying, oh, we have more test results coming in. We just got like a thousand, you know, thousands of test results from the prison system. So that's why the numbers are up. Like, it's literally a second wave, and it's because y'all open your states up too early. Shit is opened up in California. I hate to see it. We hate to I, see it. We hate to see it. I, so I mean, I pulled this just looking at from, pictures yeah. of, like, restaurants fully open and, like, servers not wearing masks, people not wearing masks, like, touching. You, it's just, it's all wrong. And then I just read a thing that, like, over a thousand restaurants that reopened in L.A., have been inspected and they are not following the COVID rule guidelines to ser- for service. Also, this the the Harris County, I think, is what it is, is the highest um, COVID cases right now. Uh huh. That is where my fucking parents live. <laughs> Yo, how do they? Okay, so li- I, I was on their ass the whole time, being like, "Don't go out, don't do this." My dad was literally like running into store. My mom was like, "It's like he almost wants to get it." It's so he's out every day, and I was like, "Don't do that." My, anyway, my parents, my white parents are going to be dead soon. Well, I pulled this from NPR just to give us a, like a little moment of uh, understanding of what's happening. Uh, so the Texas governor pointed out uh, uncareful behavior uh, uh, as a possible driver for new cases. So Abbott said that there were a number of counties with the majority of those who tested positive for the coronavirus who are under the age of 30, which he attributed to people going to bar type settings or Memorial Day celebrations and not taking health precautions. Mm -hmm. So he said measures like wearing a mask, using hand sanitizer and social distancing make it possible to reopen the state's economy. Despite him saying all of that, he has banned Texas cities from implementing any rules that would require face coverings. So he's literally saying, y'all he's need literally to saying cover one your face, thing. but I'm not going to take away your freedom to not cover your face. No, jur- The executive order says no jurisdiction can impose a civil or criminal penalty for failure to wear a face covering. That and they opened yeah. up last month. They've been open since last month. 
Listen, if you listen to this show and you are socializing with friends and not wearing a mask and going out and don't think that Corona is going to get you, log off. We don't want you. We don't want you to listen because it's going to get you. Yes, because you're safe right now doesn't mean anything. I was talking to Orville about it as a thing. He was saying the same thing I just said. We went to all these protests. We haven't got it because we were wearing the mask. I was like, had we not been wearing the mask, had we not been hand sanitizing, had we just been throwing cosh to the wind and going and hanging out with our friends all the time, there's a higher chance that we would have transferred it or gotten it from people. Completely. Um, so let's talk about the all black lighter. All black Here's the lives thing. matter. I got March. a lot of messages because it's clear if you know me, I was and you listened to last week and the week before that. Gun, was gun. very against it. <laughs> Bleeps, beeps. We know you were mad. Whatever. Oh, right. We People were so mad about people the People were mad we didn't leave the names in. Baby, we left full descriptions of them. So if you want to go find them, they're up. Like, also, we gave we you their trying, names. We were trying to not, like, we didn't have the full story. And we wanted to be, like, messy for entertainment's sake. But not so messy as to, like, if we Liable. were ill-informed, we would be tearing something down but it turns out i think most of the information that we gave was factual because no one's checked us <laughs> right so That's how, how was your experience we were both at the march we went to the march um i'm just gonna say i i it took me a long it was i was the morning of and i still wasn't gonna go but we decided to go mainly because here's the two things one if you want to be hear my impassioned answer, it's because the message of the march was more important than me trying to pick a fight with the organizers of the event. The message that black trans lives matter, the message that black lives matter, and the message that over 10,000 people coming together for that Girl, and it was saying huge. that we all stand together and we are against this, I believe in that message more than I believe in some sloppy organization and some shady dealings and some nonsense that's going on over there the my second answer is everyone was going and there was so much mass confusion about it that there wasn't a lot of people didn't go and i saw a lot of people saying like there's this other alternate march to go to that isn't um shady and isn't still being funded by csw and stuff but at the end of the day i believe that black trans lives matter i believe that my community was out there for the right reason I don't believe in those organizers, and I'll let's see what All Black Lives Matter as an organization does next. If they're just going to disappear into the wind because this was all just one stunt, or if they're going to stick together and continue doing some more marches and stuff like that. Um, and then, should I tell? Do you want to hear my experience at the march, or I should I hear let you say? You have to say. Okay, so those are my two things. I don't know what you thought about those, but I'm just going to stick by. <laughs> I think standing up. As a group and showing as one large group, it was a great visibility, even though this shitty organization got clout. I am not done trying to bring them down, honey. It will be my goal. (laughs) But here's the march seemed great. Everything was fine. A little unorganized. I don't know where the organizers were when we got there. I got there and my friends were parked right in the middle of where it started. And there was some other group who had also parked there early, not affiliated, maybe affiliated, and they were just talking for about 45 minutes. Anyway, me and Michael, I was like, the minute this turns into a pride, we're out of here. So the minute we got to basically around where West Hollywood was, right, was where you could just see, and I'm so sorry, please turn it off if you're a white gay and you don't want to be called a white gay. 
but white gays out on their balconies drinking as we were slowly getting into WeHo, standing on top of cars, dancing, um, trucks with like truck beds full of just like white gay people dancing and face paint and rainbows and all that. And I was like, this is where we're losing losing the message a little bit. And I'm glad that you're here, but I'm not sure you're here for the right reason. But I'm not going to judge you because you're at least here. When we walked- you at least made the effort. When we got into that sort of WeHo borderline and we crossed. Oh, that's when I left. A lot more. Yeah, I know. I remember that. <laughs> I was like, where'd people go? There was a lot more shirtlessness. There was a lot more masklessness. Mm-hmm. There was, I saw a group of white gay porn people. I won't, I'm not going to call them stars. Um, and they were all greeting each other by like kissing on the lips and hugging and saying hello. Yeah. And it was like people coming together in these groups and doing that. I saw videos that, like, the restaurants and the bars were open. Girl, people and were out brunching. Once it ended, it it turned into a drag show, and then Rocco's had a drag show outside, and then it just looked like WeHo back to its natural uh, things. The fags have returned to nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it it, it really did feel... Like when we crossed into WeHo, it turned into something else. When we were walking from Hollywood, the mask coverings, like I was, I, there was a lot of people and you couldn't, you could do your best to keep a social distance, but there was a lot of people. The streets mm-hmm. were full, but it felt okay in Hollywood. It felt like everyone was masked, but then yes. you get over there and it just, it just started to feel a little it devolved. <laughs> but I completely agree with you. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, last night and I I started to like use this uh, metaphor and I was like, actually, this is kind of a sickening metaphor. Thinking about social changes like like a top ponytail, like a Uh, high ponytail. Yeah, a high pony. The in girl, order, what color is she? Is she a beach to, wave or is she straight? She's she's that she better good. be textured if this is about Black Lives Matter. It's that it's like you know how Jada in her uh interview oh, that and then good, it had all the hair, cuss. the beautiful like hair jewelry and the little braids, mm-hmm, and then the, yeah. mm-hmm. okay, so, so it's a in, Jada wig. In order to get it up there. You have to do the big movement. You have to throw all the hair up and you got to get the hair tie around it. Mm-hmm. Then you go in and you get the flyaways and you lay down, you know, the other hair and you're able to sort of make that not fortified. But the first yeah. thing you have to do is get it up there. And I was using this in the idea of on the path towards social change and progress tearing down the people right next to you that you have access to. It's important that the people who were at this march, who were not there for the right reasons, who were not being... A friend of mine posted, if you are going out without a mask, but you are also saying Black Lives Matter, you don't believe in what you're saying because you are not wearing a mask amidst a pandemic that is disproportionately affecting black black people. At a Black Lives Matter protest, like that doesn't line up. And so I agree that um, it's good to have as many people as possible. It's good to push uh, the message uh, forward. Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter. And those flyaways will eventually find their spot. They'll eventually get looped in. But the big the big hair tie, the big knot, the big movement is what is most important right now. Yes. And so 
Uh, that's a great a, metaphor. A lot of people can, you from know, from a bald person, s- from a bald person who doesn't wear wigs or put their hair. <laughs> in uh, I don't know, but it's I understand just, exactly what you're saying, and it, it does make sense. It's like I can't be mad because they did show up for it. Right. You know what I mean? And it turned out, and there were so many people there. I will say, when we got to the end at San Vicente in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. there was the counter-protest of this march that was there holding like a space in that intersection. And there uh. was a little bit of a head-to-head face-off between the big march that had showed up and then the counter march that was sort of in line with what we talked about last week of like, what, what is the real force behind this all black lives matter march? But well, it, it, it went off. There was a a large group of people who were there showing support for uh, all black lives matter. And that is good. It got recognized and there's now, 10,000 more people that marched that wouldn't have. Yeah, completely. Um, So are you ready to get into our really special, amazing guest? First, I'd like to talk about my makeup palette that I just Oh, right. I totally didn't put that on the outline. If you'd like a rainbow makeup palette with talc and talc-free, vegan. No, there's no talc. (laughs) Talc gives you cancer, and it's in a lot of makeup. Uh, if you inhale it, drag queens know this. If you inhale talc, it can give you the thing called clown mug. It gives you lung cancer. It's terrible for you. It's Jesus. in baby powders. It's in all these things that people use. It's not good, but it's not technically carcinogenic, so they're not doing it. Anyway, I'm holding it right now. No one can see it. <laughs> no one can see it. Look at these beautiful colors. It's a full rainbow. It's gorgeous. It's only $30. The one amazing thing about it is that the portions of the proceeds go to the LGBTQ plus Freedom Fund, um, which is helping bail out uh, black LGBTQ people who have been arrested. And it's not like the Minnesota Fund. People are actually getting bailed out. Whoop. Oop. I'm just kidding. I don't know anything about that. Palette. All the promo is super cute. You look great. You. Your outfits are. Outfits. Great. Listen, I'm so I'm. It's you have a, a hard little... time with crotch, right? Well, okay. First of all, one of those is the reason the crotch looked like that. the The blue one, <laughs> that's on me. The orange one, it actually fit great and was amazing, but it's terry cloth. You know, like it's so towel it's material. So it's stretched, and then the only way to like get it back is to like put it in the dryer, but then it like shrinks. And then it gets all hot. And then I have to just like wear it. And then it stretches out if I take two steps. Anyway, <laughs> don't wear terry cloth shorts, you guys, unless they're baggy. Okay. But Where oh, the big thing is your... I've been, you can go to hip, hip.com. It's uh, on their front page. Uh, it's one of the first in a, a line of pride things that we'll be releasing for the entire year. And oh, yeah, I kind of wish, I mean, I, we had big plans to shoot all these things. And then Miss Rona hit, and no one's allowed to come over to your like. No one's allowed to do anything for you. But you're gonna continue working with them, and people will continue to find fun ways to shoot stuff and from proximity and whatever. So it'll, I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of fun stuff coming out in relation to your Diamond Diva Collection makeup palette available at hip dot dot com. That's hip dot h i p d o t dot com. Where does that name come from? I don't know, but they, oh, Spongebob's gay 
And they have a SpongeBob palette. Go off. And Kesha is Kesha, and they have a Kesha palette. And Kesha's gay, and she has a SpongeBob palette. We don't know that. That's <laughs> that's libel. Libel, slander. Um, well, incredible. I'm really excited. We have an amazing guest coming up. You know who it is because you read the description. But here's our awesome interview with Miss Toto. Miss Toto. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. When my fridge is stocked with Factor meals, I'm like... Oh, baby, I don't have to think about this. Mm -hmm. Like, it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion, there's plenty of vegetable, and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm -hmm. Very cool that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this oh, is yeah. like, you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle and we're celebrating earth day all month long with factor look out for the earth month eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby. And now we're bringing to the podcast <laughs> the one, the only, the call-out queen of Chicago, but she was originally from Miami. She tagged sharks. She's a bodybuilder. She's an activist. And she's an LLC. Bring it to the stage. It's Miss Toto. Miss Toto. That was me shaking my um, digital titties at the intro. <laughs> Come on, digital titties. Wait, did they make a breastplate that's did, like pixelated digital titties, but in real life? They Twitch, should. Because then I would be able to show my digital titties on Twitch. Ah! <laughs> Can we talk about the Twitch rules? The Twitch like, rules are intense. I hate it. <laughs> kind of intense like and i understand why they're doing it because any type of online live stream could easily be turned into something sexual 
And they're not used to drag queens. So the first one that bitch did, people's videos were getting like cut off and snatched because they were showing bare legs, like up to their butt. That's what happened to Nikki Jizz because she was in she was like in a dance costume and she was like she like started with like a like a spoken word lip sync. So she was in a gown camera in a gown and then she pulled back to reveal and she was like in a leotard and they literally like got an alert and bitch had to like cut her off and was like, Nikki, I'm so sorry, but like our whole channel could get canceled for bare leg. What is going on? Because what I need is like, I I love, like I just am upset because like I love Twitch. She does great things for streaming, but like I just need a little more freedom. I would like to show a a nipple here and there, a pasty nipple mm. maybe. Like like the, it just seems like the rules are very like back and forth about what I can and cannot show on. And it's like as far as drag, we kind of push the envelope anyway on mm-hmm. stage. So it's like now we kind of have to tailor it for the internet. Or, like, not even really the internet for Twitch. (laughs) Well, and that's that YouTube thing, too, where, like, YouTube used to be, like, a little more free. And now it's, like oh is this content for 18 plus like is the and then and then all the all the people who make their living off of youtube have to bleep every curse word they say like out of nowhere yes because they'll get demonetized girl <laughs> it's so YouTube wild used to get demonetized period <laughs> period poo period poo um wait so you well you, okay, people, let's start. Let's wait, start at the very. I beginning. have a question because when start, we, fir- I would like to start where we we first met, Miss Toto, mm-hmm. which was which when I, I think we met at a drag con, but then like the next, the first time we ever hung out, hung out was we were at I we, I was like staying with you in Miami for a this free life of it. Yes, and we like okay, the party was like a warehouse party, and it was so hot, but it was so much fun. Um, it was a fundraiser for something. But, like, in Miami in general, everything is always so hot. And I try to explain to people, I'm like, just be ready. Like, it feels like you're getting in drag underwater. And, like, they, and they don't know it, that's wow. what I mean. Well, okay, first of all, it didn't feel like that because you had a very nice house at the time. And <laughs> it was air-conditioned the house oh. down. And I was, like, doing my makeup there. Amenities. And then we got to the gig and I was like, oh, it's it's hotter in this building than it is outside. They, like, opened the door. Oh, so good. It, wait, Miami's and, so much fun. I love Miami. I but wait, really, you're like an enigma to me because I can't, which I think is part of your deal, but I like really can't figure it out. I'm always like, because I've been like a working artist for so long, I'm always like, what do you do? How do you make money? Like, where do you live? Like, what's going on? It's like, to me, you live in four cities. Mm-hmm. You have like all of these like <laughs> brand partnerships. You do all of these events and things, but also you're a personal trainer. Also, you're a drag queen. Also, you produce your own shows. And like, theoretically. Also, you own a dog. Also, you have like eight chickens. Right. And also, it's like, Four what's with chickens. the chickens? And where, Four chickens. where's Four the chickens. farmhouse that you have your farmer's market attached to? Girl, it's just been so much, and I feel like part of it is, like, quarantine. Like, okay, so scratch it. Let's rewind. I was having panic attacks. I don't have panic attacks. I don't get anxiety like that, but Miss Corona had me messed up. So I said, you know what? Being in a major city is not for me. I'm going to the farm. And my boyfriend lives in Pennsylvania. So while I was here, I was like, I think it'd be very fierce if we, like, had chickens. And he was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, that was your new idea? 
just within yeah. the quarantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go off. So then we raised these like baby chickens in the bathtub. And then um, they got big, obviously. And then on the farm, his moms have a farm like 20 minutes away. So like they have 40 chickens and the chickens are just running around being happy, big chickens. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Wow. So I remember the first time I saw you perform was at, I think it was when Bushwig did a West Coast mm-hmm. gig. I remember that. Fault Line. Fault in- Line. Either I was there to watch or I was performing in Meatball. That's when we did that, like, you did the Carmen Miranda look for me. Oh, yes. And I threw when bananas at the When we did Chunkita. Yeah. And you yeah. threw bananas. Because, Toto, you got up and, like, drank half a dozen eggs or something? I did. So, <laughs> yeah. usually what I do. <laughs> she was having dinner. Yeah. yeah, I was hungry. Um, usually when I do that, I have, like, a blender bottle that I bring with me. But because it was, like. I, I wasn't thinking. I don't think I was like, oh, I need a blender bottle for uh, when I go to DragCon. Sure. So what they had was I got like one of the pint glasses, like the glass, like beer glasses from the yeah. bar and just was cracking the raw eggs into those. And instead of like it being like a shaken up concoction, like normal, it was just the raw, like chunky egg the yolks. The big yolks. Yeah. And then it didn't help that I was already hammered. So I had just like a stomach full of vodka with now a stomach full of eggs. And then I'm going to take oh, more shots after that. Anyway, God. <laughs> it was disgusting. I have no, like, I'm like trying to imagine the sensation of just like swallowing full yolk. <laughs> yeah. At, like the, the texture is not the most ideal, but it is for the gag. Like, it, well, like I will take yes. that 30 seconds of <laughs> chugging some eggs for the gag of it. Well, my jaw was on the ground for sure. When I saw that, I was like, oh, she did not come to play. (laughs) Speaking of not playing, so you are currently in Pennsylvania, but in right right now? So, okay, yeah. So I I drove (laughs) yesterday from Chicago to Pennsylvania because we have a wedding to go to this weekend. (laughs) Oh, not yours. Okay. Not mine. Not mine. So, oh yeah, that tweet we saw. Wait. We all saw that tweet that was like, "I paid all this money for a suit, and I might not be going to a wedding." And we were like, "Well, girl, is it your wedding?" Well, girl. So listen, these people. All I need you to, to say, <laughs> as a as a uh, individual living in the world, is Black Lives Matter. You don't like if you have said All Lives Matter in the past. All I need you to do is cleanse your palate for this very moment is Black Lives Matter, and that's all I needed to hear from the mm-hmm. groom. For me to say, okay, I will go to this wedding. Because oh. what am I going to do? Sit at this wedding with all these white people as the only token black person. Like, well, mm-hmm. uh, this is a very good episode of Real Life Get Out. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I at least need to have my bases covered where I'm sitting my ass in this apartment with the dog. And we're not going. <laughs> I have a question for you because you're very <laughs> outspoken about these things. And, I, and I've been a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. I've been going to the protests and things. But at what, like... There are a lot of people who aren't saying anything. There are a lot of people that I follow and follow me and are supporting me that haven't said anything. I think it's everyone's responsibility to at least acknowledge that it's happening or that if you are white and you haven't said anything, at least acknowledge that maybe by not saying anything or by posting just a single black square, you (laughs) may be contributing to a problem of not using your voice. Um, And I know a lot of, I went through and I was I was very bored and I just released makeup. So I'm seeing all these people who are liking my stuff and saying stuff to me. 
um, that follow me and are excited for me, but I'll like go to their page to be like, yes, diva. And I'll be like, oh, y'all don't care about black people at all. You're just excited that like this drag queen has like, I don't know. It's just strange to me. So I feel like it's multiple things because a lot of people don't want to have those conversations with their family and friends who they know are inherently racist, which these tough conversations are necessary because change is necessary. So like I've had tough conversations with my friends being like, yo, I know your parents are low key racist and you posting this might spike a conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to happen. But then also people think that it's like a one sided issue. They think it's only politics or it's only police brutality. And it's like, no, this is a much bigger issue than any select subject. So if you have a problem with the protest or if you have a problem with the police, find something that that aligns with what you believe in because there like are so many different things that you can do to like push forward the message and push forward the black lives matter cause without mm-hmm. saying immediately like defund the police or despite we always want to defund the police but <laughs> if that's not if that's not your, your yeah. move you don't have to say that like uh, i told one of my friends she is a dietitian and she was like i don't believe in the looting and blah 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 and i was like girl you don't have to you're a dietitian there are school there are kids who can't get school lunches now because of the protests so, like, you can donate money and your time and your energy and food to those places that are re- now redistributing those lunches to kids. It's like you're still helping the movement without being, like, invested in the police portion of it or Aspect, the politics yeah. portion of it. It's like find something that makes sense for you and be vocal about it because, once again, silence is violence. And if you're not saying something, that in turn is just racism. And they're afraid to, like, use their voice for, for the movement. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it's inherent to to privilege because I was listening back to like our last episode and we were talking about something and I kept saying when we were talking about white people, I kept saying they, they, they. And I was like, oh, no, I need to be saying we because I like I live in a world where I'm a white man. Like, hello. And so for, <laughs> for but also how- you were describing a mindset of that you don't have so you were describing people without that don't have that mindset when you were saying they sure but i need to say we and i need to take ownership because of the fact of how i am in the world and 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 how i'm perceived and and the way in which i walk walk around the world and so i agree for me something that i have dealt with in my own sort of like fragility of like oh, I'm a public person, like, oh, I, I make rap music, like, I, I like, and I was like, I, I want to walk my razor thin line. And it's like, no, I actually just want to say how I feel. And the mm-hmm. moment you dip your toe in and go like, oh, yeah, it wasn't hard for me to stand up for what I believe in, because guess what? It's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then you go like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And then it becomes easier and easier. And I think there are a lot of people like me, Paul, you're saying, who who follow you or support you but haven't said anything. It's it's a position of privilege where they can feel uncomfortable enough where they say, I don't want to say anything. And we have to step up and actually say something. And yeah. then the momentum builds and you feel more empowered to actually use your voice. It's cowardly to sit back and not say anything. Exactly. Especially... When you're of the mindset that you know it's wrong and you're going, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation. So you're saying an uncomfortable conversation for us is worth worth more than someone's life? Like that, it is just crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. Because I think about this like, yes, the uncomfortable conversations 
have to happen. Like that's just part of part of what's going on. Right. And I've even had to have them with my own parents who are black. Like I literally had to check my mom and be like, sis, have your white friends checked on you? Has your white husband checked on you? Because then she was like, well, you have a white boyfriend. Not all white people are evil. I said, don't bring him into this. My white boyfriend was on the Capitol steps of Pennsylvania screaming his head off for the for the protest. So don't bring him into this. Yeah. She, then she like took it back a minute and was like, honestly, I'm just tired of it. Like this is like I was born during the L.A. riots like in 1992, yeah. like born during that. She was like, that was the scariest thing. And now we're doing it again. And I'm over it. <laughs> like, I don't right. want oh to have to be God. doing this. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. But also you're in a small white town where all your friends are white. You need to hold them accountable. Check right. them. And she was like, okay, you're right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for saying that because I was living in a bubble as well. Well, I knew my family was trash, not my immediate family, because my parents have been checking in on me, but my extended family was trash because not a damn one of them has said anything or even checked on me. Like, it's bad. I don't know. Like, where's the line? I don't want to have to have the conversation with them. I'd rather just disown them. Okay, see, and that's easy. <laughs> I would rather just say, or not say anything and just be like, cancel. stay over there and just be fucking quiet because I don't need to hear South Louisiana talking to me about this. Especially right. South Louisiana white people who are probably, who were pretty racist when I was a kid. It's a no. So, like, and that's the other thing. It's like, is it worth the conversation when you aren't going to be associating with them anyway? Because I think no. about that. I'm like, I'm not even going to try to, like, try to... to talk to you about this because i know that it is a lost cause and it's not going to do me or you any favors for me to get like riled up and stressed out to try to change your opinion on something when i can be focusing my energy elsewhere Mm -hmm. yeah well you you're so mature and like smart about this how have you been an activist for a very long time like how did you start doing also wait because you're younger than i think you are yeah, you're like, like 27. What? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the masters. Um, with the masters. But like, I don't know. I think with just everything I've been doing has been like low key activism, but I've just never like put on the big girl activism pants and been like, I'm going to change the world. Like everything has, uh, that I've been doing is like low key. Like we have that party on friendly black hotties and I always try to put like black people in my shows and bring diversity. But now it's like, okay, this is a time in which I really should use this. I like to use the word platform because people like throw that around. I'm like, okay, I do have some followers. You might as well engage them and use as an influencer, use your influence to do something. Right. So, and then the other thing is just like in my personal life, I lash out a lot. Like I have a very sharp tongue and I realized that. That's why everyone loves you. <laughs> That's, yeah. Your Twitter like, is where it's at. You I literally mean, log on and go like, Huh, I've had fighting. my coffee. Now, who wants to fight? Let's like- fight. <laughs> but, but I realized, like, even, okay, so, like, two days ago, I had this conversation with that very tone-deaf white boy who had that very tone-deaf sign at the drag march. And while I was, like, getting prepared for, like, fill us can you fill the audience in? Okay, so the sign So, you're referring said, to the, the uh, March for Change that happened in Chicago yes. this past so, weekend. Correct. It was on Sunday, and it was, like, drag-focused. Um, which then invited people to like wear heels and stuff, which like granted I was in full drag. I just left a photo shoot and I was in this like sickening Wakanda outfit. Like Mm -hmm. I of course was going to march in that. So then I see this video of this white gay with a, with a sign. Let me pull up the exact receipt of the sign because the sign said, 
okay, child, let's, let me see what this says. It says, <laughs> it was so embarrassing. It is so humiliating. Um, <laughs> the sign says, don't open your mouth for black dick then. Oh, Lord. And then followed with a video of him walking poorly in heels and then getting one of his heels stuck in the, the like bicycle wheel. I saw that video. He got stuck. He couldn't get like, out. Like, what is going on? So also, you're just putting yourself at risk as a protester if anything does go down versus and all the people who are around you are also at risk. Mm-hmm. So I saw this and I was like, child, let me just log on. So then <laughs> someone messages me and says, he's on IG Live now talking about it. And I was like, ladies, assemble. Hop over to the live. All the girls are on the live. It went from 26 viewers to like close to 300. It was messy. So then he's like talking and spouting off, but not letting anyone talk. Then he ends up letting um, Dairy Queen from Chicago, like she talks for a second. She was like, hi, I don't know why you let me in here because I am white. So I'm going to say my piece and then I'm going to log off and you're going to let a black person speak. And that's exactly what she did. Then Olympia from New York hopped on and said her piece and then i hopped on and then like through the through the time of dairy and olympia i was like if i read this man for filth he will not listen to anything i have to say so i need to educate him and not completely read his ass because i need i needed to sink in i need him to understand Mm -hmm. what he did was wrong and why it was wrong and what he can do to do better so i i laid it all out there i told him i was like sis the time like we're not even going to discuss the sign because you know it's tone deaf what you need to do is take a minute and realize that these protests are not about you. And you, you say you have these black friends, what have you done for them? And as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, what are you doing for your immediate community of the black people within that sector? Like, I'm not saying you need to change the world, but if you consider yourself a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you can at least help those black people in that, in, in this community. So what have you done? What are you going to do? And then at the end of the call, I said, what we're going to do is I'm going to hang up. You're going to say what you learned. And I'm going to DM you a link to Brave Space Alliance in Chicago, which is a black and trans led organization for black and trans people um, in Chicago. And I sent him the link. He donated. And then he started posting links shortly after. And I was like, "Okay, this is growth. You're not a changed person, but it's baby steps. And I feel like if I came at him and just read him and called him a white faggot, like, I don't think it would have gone the same. (laughs) you just send him links for how to walk in heels tutorials well because i saw that video online i didn't and i saw the picture of the guy with the sign i didn't realize it was the same person but everyone was commenting like this is what i mean when i say white gays like that was like the tag and it was like period that is it that is the problem but (laughs) i was gonna say like the overarching thing was all that at the march because it was just so overwhelmingly powerful and like positive Mm -hmm. that it was like a day later that i'm just like on twitter minding my business and i see this and i'm like see if i would have seen this in person he would have got cussed out period like so i'm glad i didn't see it but it was (laughs) i don't even know how many people there were but like the speeches were all amazing i was honestly shocked at like how many people came out for it and then the immediate response from like especially all of the the clubs and bars in Boys Town are like they're ready they're ready to make the change because they know they've messed up and they're ready like they're ready to be held accountable because they know that they won't have a successful club if we all say no. Right. I'm curious about because you recently moved to Chicago. 
Yeah, it was about a year ago. Okay. Because, you know, I grew up in Evanston and I remember in high school hearing so much about, um, you know, I guess the headline is like violence in Boys Town, right? And like the way the media was portraying um, <clears throat> any sort of act of, uh, of violence that would happen, which was oftentimes people coming from other neighborhoods for a safe space to be queer and bar owners and, and security officers, you know, being discriminatory at the door and basically causing conflict and creating this like negative environment in Boys Town. But that wasn't really how it was painted, like in the newspaper and in the articles. And I remember after, after I was living in Andersonville, we would do, um, we were doing like a lot of, I, w- I worked with like a youth, like a queer youth theater. And basically we were using this space in the center to have our workshops or whatever. But, you know, we had members from the theater coming from all over the city. And so many people, we were all like, this is amazing. We're at the center. And so many people were like, I actually don't feel safe in this neighborhood at all. Like you think this is the gay neighborhood, but like when I have to take the bus an hour and a half to be here, it's not safe for me. And then I have to go home at night and then I have, you know, like, and so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, cause I believe boys town was one of the first nationally recognized like gay neighborhoods in the country correct yeah but it's like it is a white neighborhood (laughs) yes and i said that like on my in my little speech i was like i think it's amazing y'all turned out this is amazing the claps the cheers are great but like this is bigger than just y'all coming to the protest coming to the march like you yourselves have to hold yourselves accountable as as attendees of these spaces and look around and realize there are no black people here. There are no black performers here. There are barely any POC performers at all that are booked at, at these specific clubs. And I think part of it is like, yeah, they do have a couple black girls, but like they're the token and they're only booked for like a Beyonce night right. or something like yeah. that. And I'm like, that is, that's where the problem lies or the microaggressions, even just all the way down to like telling the DJs don't play too much hip hop music. That is what I heard like, my entire I understanding of boys town was anytime we would go out i would say like where can we go dance and everyone would be like not in boys town like they they're not allowed to play hip-hop music there was a bar here in downtown la that is not one of the gay bars it was a straight bar that put on a gay night and one of my friends was hosting the show and she (laughs) would pause before you said friends well i was anyway (laughs) somebody i know was hosting the show. A drag queen was hosting the show, and she, the performers that were bringing in the best numbers and the biggest audience were black performers like Calypso Jete mm-hmm. and like Period. those dancing girls that are bucking and doing all these amazing stunts and tricks. People were coming in to watch them. They said that that was too ghetto and asked for them to stop booking those girls and basically was just asking for a more white. Uh, lineup and then the night got canceled because no one was going anymore because the audience wanted to see good performers yeah that's that's everywhere and i feel like chicago is doing a very good job at trying to set an example of like this is probably happening in your city and you might not feel comfortable speaking up on it and standing up for it so here's the template of what you can do and here's how you can like 
and we're here to help people like do that. Cause I was also thinking like, yeah, we have parties in Chicago. There's molasses collective, which is amazing. Black girl magic. And then there's also unfriendly black hotties. They're all three black based parties, which do happen in voice town. And yes, we are allowed to play our music. Then we are allowed to have our full black cast then, but on the other nights, can I go to that club and be, and hear hip hop music? Probably not. And I think that that like they're they're giving us the space of like you can have this little window to play your hip hop and have your little black night. But as soon as the doors close and we start the next day, it's back to square one where we started. How often do you do unfriendly black hotties? Which is a Mean Girls reference, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, because okay. I I like we we created that like last July. We were all literally hanging out and we were like, we're the unfriendly black hotties. That's like very <laughs> us. <laughs> And then it spiraled into being like, you know what? Let's try to do a party. And it it, it worked. So we do Unfriendly Black Hotties once a month. Um, and Black Girl Magic is every third Wednesday, I believe. It's actually tonight, which is great. Online. Oh, nice. um, and that's by the Vixen. And then Molasses is a part of um, Lucy's Stool. And then this amazing trans woman named Zola. So like they exist. And it's just, it's terrible because I look at it and I'm like, the attendance on some of these parties is low. And you're, you're always saying like, oh, I, I support black queens. I support black talent. It's like name five, five black drag queens in Chicago that were not on RuPaul's Drag Race and that are not that are not booked regularly at these white spaces. Like, I want you to, to fi- like to find them because obviously they're going to know who like the unfriendly black hotties are. And you're going to know who the Black Girl Magic Girls are because they're at these white spaces. <laughs> she said, I said well, cause, you know. Because no, I'm in the joking. white spaces. I'm like, right. if I'm at Roscoe's or Sidetrack, it's like, oh, there she is. But it's like, there are people that don't perform in those spaces because they don't get booked there. So I want to, because I saw a tweet yesterday, you know, like I have, I have roots in Chicago. I spent like six years living there as an adult growing up in Evanston. I'm like close to it. So I always sort of, that's where I became an artist. So I like really keep my eyes on Chicago, even though I'm not actively a part of the scene. And obviously the March for change was huge. And then uh, something that came out of that is a former guest on this podcast, T-Rex got called out by the community. And then there was a letter sent and she responded to the letter. There's going to be a town hall. So there's a lot of like active change going on there the tweet that I saw, and if you want to get into it, I spent like an hour reading Twitter. Like there's a lot, there's a lot to digest. There's a lot to map out because everyone is tweeting about it. So I can't get like a full. (laughs) But the one thing I was going to say is the letter is signed by like, it looks like 50 or 75 artists. And then at the end it says, and many more. And someone tweeted What's crazy is I don't recognize so many of these names and that right. is on me as like, you know, that that is ultimately the whole thing. It's like these are artists working in the community and obviously like certain artists rise up and get bigger. But mm-hmm. we yeah. also need to recognize that the system in place to allow those artists to rise up and get bigger is controlled it's by flawed. white people. Yeah, yeah. And flawed. Yeah. So I think part of that is like there the intentional gatekeeping like that was just like so many microaggressions that i had heard just whether that was in chicago or miami but it's things like that the black queens are always hold held to like a higher standard of what is expected versus the white queens and that's the Mm -hmm. same thing of like can you do like the mic this is things that i've like never really realized until all of it started happening like could you do a high energy number? Basically knowing that I can do tricks and splits and stunts and that's what you want me to be your trick pony. 
or like, oh, you're wearing that again. I'm like, yes, I am wearing it again because I, it's expensive. Like, why are you reading? <laughs> like, this, like little, just little things like that that I just kind of brushed under the rug because I, I need to eat. I need to pay my rent. And I'm not going to speak up on it because I like, I was just feeling in, the, in a tight position of like, do I just deal with it and get my coin or do I speak up and not get booked again? Because this, like these people have the power to just like knock me out of the city, especially as a new girl. So that was definitely like on me to not speak up. And I definitely understand why other people not in my position would, would also not speak up because it's a position of like a power uh, and mm-hmm. a fear that you're going to not be able to work in the city anymore. And I think with, the way that it was set up of like having actual change in as far as the T-Rex letter, having action items of like, here is what we would like you to do right, to make the actual change. And then that then turned into having a conversation with the bars. The bars all want to have a town hall with us as well with representatives to, to make change as well. Cause like it's more than just a person. Yes. Every city is going to have one or two people who have done that and whatever. But it's the establishments themselves that also need to hold themselves accountable to be like, wait, I am a part of the problem. Whether or not that's intentional, being aware of of it makes it more it makes it easier for them to remedy the situation opposed to saying like, oh, this isn't me. We have we have a black drag queen. It's like, no, everyone is being held accountable and everyone's going to sit down at this table and speak with us. Right. Yeah, it was interesting um, to. to see that because when we had T-Rex on our podcast, we talked so much about, oh, and you have this contest and you make room for so many people and you uplift so many people. It's like from the from the outside, what it what it looked like happening was like, oh, it's not just the same five girls on rotation on my one show. It's like all of this other opportunity. And so I think um like reading that letter, like that, that is the converse that, that is the thing we were talking about, about having like jumping that hurdle to have the conversation and really look at behavior. And even reading that letter, I was like, Oh, I'm a producer and I'm a white person. And I reach out to people and ask people to do things. And like, I, I just started, you know, inventorying behavior and thinking back on situations because the only way we can move forward is by being aware of it and mm-hmm. making the change to do better. Yeah. And I think that ties into just every, like the society in general. Like, like it, it has been taught to people for like hundreds of years. Like, this is this is the way that Black people are treated. This is how you are mm-hmm. in a position of power as a white person. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's it's about changing the behavior on all ap- aspects. Because even for me, I'm like, this is a position that I've not been in ever, where I'm like so hyper aware of my blackness. Mm. to now be able to have the have I'm holding the mic now like y'all are listening to me and I've never been in that position to where everyone's listening to me and it's it's a great feeling but it's also making other people feel the same and I'm hoping like more black people are feeling vocal and powerful enough to, to speak up but then also the white people who have inadvertently taken part in it and recognize that and realize which I think is also part of what is happening in Chicago because people are stepping forward themselves. They're like, hey, I've been a part of this issue. Here are the things I've done in the past. I, and here are the things I'm going to do to make the change. And I think that's a great thing that's happening instead of it being like a witch hunt with us wheeling out the guillotine of like, who's next? <laughs> <laughs> with the guillotine. Like, I the heard guillotine, about the guillotine. 
Who's next? Because uh, I texted you. I said, oh, baby, there's a reckoning in Chicago. Something is going on. But I guess my question is, is like, I'm excited to see how Chicago, how the scene in Chicago changes, how clubs are being held responsible and what they're going to do in order to rectify what they've done. But how can what is happening in Chicago, like, how can this change drag? Like, how can this change white RuPaul's Drag Race viewers of drag to seeing black drag queens as equals, not as just like filler and or mean girls to send death threats to. I think also in part, right, correct. I think in part of the movement, like I'm just seeing my timeline being filled with the black Ru girls a lot more, which I love. Mm -hmm. And then also we have such like a, a, a strong winner's past, like Evie, Going from Evie going to Jada, and then I don't know if Shay's gonna win, but Shay's my winner. It better be <laughs> Shay, like, baby. Right. But like, and then, then each episode season, one, so we're many, all like, like, it's Shay, it's gotta be Shay. It's Shay. Right. Episode two, it's Shay. So, <laughs> but like, even within the seasons, there are so many strong black characters and, and performers that I think are like so strong in their own regard that would not be getting the highlight and attention they would they would be getting in a normal world where mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter wasn't hap- movement wasn't happening. Even like bringing back Monet, like Monet was being slept on for so long and now I'm mm-hmm. seeing her all in my timeline and I'm loving it. So, and then because of Drag Race, that trickles down into the bigger like cities. So like, because of these Black drag queens getting more attention, obviously more local queens, especially local Black queens are getting more attention through that. And I think that's great because people are then checking themselves like, oh, I am only a fan of white drag queens, or right. I only am a fan of these this this archetype that Drag Race has created of like the skinny white fashion queen. It's like, no, you need to open your mind to more than that, which is just like you can open your mind to more than that just within Drag Race. But then looking at the the broad spectrum of just like black queens in general, it's not just the the beauty the beauty Shea Coulee or like the weirdos like Evie. It's like look at the, the creep show show we're doing. It's like, there's the whole gamut of a yeah. black performer. It's like, we're not just only stuck in one thing. And I think that's great because I feel like people are being held accountable and holding themselves accountable for their inherent racism, even within selecting drag queens that they they're fans of. And I think, I mean, again, it, it, it also plays into the, the, the white privilege and the white influence uh, also of these influencers or drag queens like i remember i feel like there was like a moment after aquaria won when she was like mayhem like i'm such a fan of mayhem and everyone was like wait what i don't get it you're just like because you stan aquaria you're like it's that that's it it's just this like 21 year old white person that i'm gonna pay attention to and when you know when these queens who have huge platforms celebrate other queens their followers maybe blindly will go, Oh, okay. They like them. I'll like them. But the Mm -hmm. more you're, you're aware and the more you're exposed and the more you literally go like, Oh, I get it. Everyone's doing drag here. You it's, it's exactly like what you said. Like you might not even be aware that you are just implicitly only following certain types of people. And I think that ties into like the white ally thing. Cause I've told people this before. I'm like, it is important that you as a white person are vocal because like they might not listen to me because I'm coming off as an angry black woman who has a lot to say <laughs> but, <laughs> because I always have a lot to say, but, but like hearing it from someone who looks like them and comes from a similar experience as them, 
they might be more apt to listen to you than listen to me. So that's why I tell like white allies, I'm like, you need to speak up, be vocal, because all you need to do is change one person's mind. And then yeah. that can spark some change. And it's very important for them to realize that because a lot of people think like, oh, I don't have a following or I'm not an influencer. It's like, if you're a person walking this earth, you have an influence on somebody. Yes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's go to a break. <laughs> <laughs> And we're black. Do you know Wicked? Have you heard of Wicked? Do you remember Shea Kool-Aid's entrance line from this season? Yes. She said, I'm black. I screamed. (laughs) I screamed. (laughs) Do you, are you a musical theater? Wait, do you know Wicked? I do know Wicked. Okay, Meatball, I was literally driving to, where was I driving to? (laughs) Chicago. And I found my Wicked CD in my car. Oh my god! I was a musical theater gay boots, and I just like I loved Wicked. What was I? Hairspray, Mm -hmm. the movie, Um, Billy Elliot. Oh my god! So embarrassing. So where were you a musical theater gay when you were? Where did you start realizing you were a homosexual? Because you've lived in every state now. (laughs) Well, I knew I was a homosexual when I was a child, but musical theater I didn't start doing to like high school and then I was doing like that's when I did Hairspray Sweeney Todd Footloose Oklahoma which that was a microaggression which I'm not happy about um (laughs) and then would do like little summer productions too but I remember in Oklahoma my one singing line was plenty of room to swing a rope what Mm. Oh no! How interesting! Where was, was like, this? You know Florida or where? This is in Maryland, like Maryland. Maryland girl. I was like, you know what? I'm a freshman. Oh, no. I'll sing this. I'll sing this line. I'll sing this little line, knowing I'm gonna be the star for the next three years. Let me just <laughs> sing this line and mind my business, and I'll get mine. And I did, so it was fine. <laughs> I would have just changed it. I would have like been like, plenty of room to find some hope. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Well, that was also like when we did Jesus Christ Superstar. I wanted to be Black Jesus. Yeah, and I was like, Black oh, Jesus doesn't town- exist. Jesus is dark. Correct. I was like, I think this town needs a Black Jesus. So I was like, talk to the director. I was like, I want to be Jesus. He was like, audition for Jesus. And then I auditioned, and I got Judas. And then I was like, oh, so the black guy's the villain. And then I actually read the script. And Judas was the main character, so I was like, "Okay, that's fierce. Let me <laughs> let me be quiet. Let me be quiet." <laughs> you did you do the kind of script reading where you don't actually read it; you just count your lines. Count lines. You're like eighty three. Yeah, I, I like, have eighty three lines. <laughs> that was exactly me, and I was like, "I was like, just the idea of having my like shitty little white town have a black Jesus. I just wanted to shake the table, sure. despite the role not being as good. I just wanted to be like, I was black Jesus, but." The the role of Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar is much better, so I'm like thankful for that. But I still would have wanted to be Black Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I'm still butthurt that I didn't get to play uh, Anne Frank's dad in the Diary of Anne Frank, even though I gave uh, the best reading. Wait, who did you end up playing? Do- uh, Mr. Dussel, the doctor. Yeah, we. T- <laughs> but I okay, but I he I basically they thought that no one would believe that I could be the father of a white. And Frank and I said, "Excuse me, we're doing this in a cafeteria." Yeah, exactly. 
were doing this in a cafeteria. And how many kids did they cast as Nazis is the real question. Three of them. And I was just, I had like a flashback the other day. One of the girls fully dressed as a Nazi at the same time, we had a speaker come to our school and he was in Auschwitz. Oh. So she was in her Nazi costume and ran up and gave him a hug to say like, hey. And she was no. like in her had, Nazi costume. Yeah, this dumb white bitch didn't understand. We were like, "Hey, girl, that was the dumbest and most offensive thing you could have done." And she was like, "I don't understand why." And we we're like, "Well, you have a red band on your arm. You're in green. You probably look like something you had to see a lot of." Jesus, I'm shocked. <laughs> I know. My mom was I, like, "She should be expelled." We're like, she was old enough to know that that was wrong. That is. Oh psycho. my god. But that also makes me think, like, I learned a lot about the Holocaust and, like, Jewish history and stuff, like, growing up. And I'm like, why did I, why do I know so much information about the Holocaust, but not even about, like, black people? Right. Yeah. Speaking of. I hate, I hate everyone being like, they're trying to tear down these statues and get rid of American history. And I was like, look in the fucking history book. Slavery isn't in there. So they've already gotten rid of American history. What are you talking about? I didn't (laughs) learn about slavery until I went to like the full timeline and everything that happened because I went and I had a fucking textbook from Texas where they were like, yes, they had beautiful quarters and they loved working and they decided to stay. Oh, (laughs) my God. And like, I didn't know, like, I knew about slavery because my parents sat me down and made me watch Roots um, when I was young. And then like, just there were little parts of it, but like, and I knew I was born during the LA riots, but I didn't know that the riots were race-based. And I didn't know like the severity of it. Because my mom was like, yeah, you were born during the riots. End of end of conversation. Mm. And then I like just recently watched the, the Netflix documentary about it. And I was like, oh, this is what went down. Mm-hmm. And I understand why you don't want to talk about it because that shit was scary. Like that is like watching it. I'm like, I think the people are lucky right now because the LA riots were nuts. And this seems tame compared to what yes. was happening right. then. <laughs> I also, but we don't know. Like honestly, the LA riot. Yeah, never mind. Just watch the video. Watch the <laughs> watch the documentary. <laughs> documentary on Netflix, and there's one on Hulu now too. I was gonna say about the OJ case that, like that, it was. You know, we think about uh, okay, yes, everything is like erased, and the education system has failed us. But like, even uh, you know, like I grew up in a white liberal household with parents who like worked for nonprofit organizations to like help you know the public community. And um, I'm like, you didn't see the OJ case as a perfect opportunity to like open up a conversation about race in America. I literally came home from school where we listened to the verdict and I was like, wait, I don't understand. All the white people were up, you know, like upset and all the black people were, you know, I was like, it doesn't. I was like, why? Why is this a different? Mm. And that is so rooted in so many other things more than just one one case in court you know do white people get upset with you miss toto when you dress up like harriet tubman and run through a field (laughs) they they just run away i'm like wait what song is that with (laughs) run away with run away with me by carly carly ray jefferson it's the videos online people (laughs) but i also like the clip with the Nicki minaj (laughs) 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 so like i've had white people try to try to be like this is offensive i'm like baby it's my culture so (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> That's like one time I did a Rosa Parks number. Hold on. Wait, just wait a minute. So Madonna sang Wheels on the Bus one time. And then uh, <laughs> and then it went into the cha-cha slide because everyone was like trying to tell her what to do. But I didn't do any of it. I just stayed seated. Is that offensive? No, I also did a Rosa Parks number two, and I had my white friend do move bits, get out the way. <laughs> okay, see? <laughs> okay, I want to talk like, about... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, as like as a black person, you can do historical references, because like you can. That's how that works. Do yes. it. Do it. Um, I as long as I have permission from you. Some more of your iconic uh, drag performances. Um, after Bird Box came out, we saw you haul a full ass canoe on a stage in Miami at Gramps. Uh, yes. <laughs> and you had your blindfolded children with you, and you were like, get in the canoe. You did the Correct. whole monologue. <laughs> Wait, what like, song okay, did that so one go into? I did. Um, it was Close Your Eyes by Kimberly Petras, uh-huh. despite her Dr. Luke affiliation, but we're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> then I did. Green Finch and Linnet Bird from Sweeney Todd, musical theater girl jump. Um, I did Rolling Down the River by Tina Turner, and then I ah! ended with I can see clearly now the rain is gone. That's the tea. <laughs> but I I got the idea, and I was like immediately was just on Facebook. I'm like, who has a canoe? And people were the like, girl in Miami. <laughs> people right. had canoes. So, the girls had canoes, so I went and got a canoe, strapped it to the top of my tiny Hyundai. <laughs> And then I had my two non-binary brown children who yes. were full-grown adults. They just were five foot tall. Um, and we we rehearsed it like a couple times and we did it. And it was so funny and stupid. But like all it took was a text to be like, hey, Hot Pants, I know I'm not booked tonight, but I have an idea. Can I bring a canoe? And he was like, I guess. Like, do what you want to do, girl. <laughs> and what is that part? I think I play that that party. It's at Gramps in Miami, which is like, it's mm-hmm. like an outdoor venue. It's like a little, it's kind of like Austin. It's indoor, outdoor. In, in, in Miami, there's a lot of bars like Austin where it's like, there's a tiny physical building, but then all this outdoor space that's yeah. like part of the the bar. The, yeah, it's uh, it's Double Stubble, which is yes. what was before Karanisha was a weekly party but before that it was a sunday tea dance party and right. that's where i like made, met so many of my friends and it was like it was so much fun like best djs there was like maybe one or two drag shows um and it was like as the sun was setting on a sunday and then it transitioned into being a weekly drag party uh which everyone wanted to go to <laughs> yeah that was super fun i played down there um uh and that's i met king femme Yes! Yes! yes. At that show, which was awesome. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with a lot of those queens in Miami. Wait, okay, and then you, you also, also did a yeah. Coachella Beyonce uh-huh. performance with which you, but then you had a million yous behind <laughs> you doing the dance from Correct. Coachella Beyonce. I, just, like, I didn't a tech want queen. to like, allegedly, I just didn't want to teach people choreography and I'm like, it's much easier for me to change wigs and record myself on a green screen and then just edit myself <laughs> multiple times. I, don't <laughs> and I, background dancers. I was like, girl, I'll be my own backup dancer. But that's more uh, cost for... effective to travel that show yeah. around the country. It's you in a USB drive. Well, cause I was doing it for <laughs> nightgowns and Sasha was like, I'm just, cause typically from my understanding is like, she would be like, I want you to do this number for nightgowns. But mm. she was like, do you want to do nightgowns? And I was like, I guess like, let me put something together. <laughs> oh my god! It was gosh. for uh, Pride last year, so that Amazing. was the fiftieth anniversary, I believe. 
of Stonewall, right? Am I right? Yeah, Was last year. Yeah, yeah last okay. year they did 50. Um, and yeah, go Meatball. No, we just we do? have a whole list of questions because you do that we never got to because we like so much. we're talking so much ah. at the beginning. But also recently you did the Winwood Pride, which raised how much money for money. Black Lives Matter? See, donations. I don't even know. We're not even done. So the total so far is like twenty thousand, and we're still keeping it up and raising more money because they're going to be putting it like leaving it live all Pride Month. Um, and I'm still getting money for it, so it's like so far personally I've raised. 30,000 and then one would probably just did 20 more thousand and then we're not even done so can you talk a little bit about what winwood pride is or what that is, is yeah, a neighborhood so, in miami yes yeah, so winwood is a neighborhood in miami and it's a well pretty much it's a pride but instead of it being your traditional pride with like floats and the parade and all that um it's a music festival so mm. Last year in real life, we had my Miss Toto's Fun House at the entrance of Pride, and then there was like a pop stage, then there was like the main stage. Everything was just a very big like music festival. And then this year, obviously because of Corona, we were gonna switch it to just an online show, and that was gonna benefit, I believe it was like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU and stuff like that. Then, as soon as the Black Lives Matter stuff happened, the team calls me and they're like, Toto, it's go time, like, let's go. So immediately without question, we switched everything over to partner with Plus One. And then there are four different beneficiaries related to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and it was just crazy because we ended up doing a digital festival. So it was a squad stream on Twitch, which I didn't even know was it was a thing. But you're pretty much able to watch and select like multiple streams at once. So it's like going from stage to stage oh, at a festival. Wow. Yeah. So I had my own fun house. It had like two unfriendly black hotties segments it had uh big frida it had orville peg we had louisiana purchase uh lucy stool shay the vixen and then on the other stages like we had rebecca black do a dj set chester lockhart did a dj set Amazing. it was so major it was like what was going on and then because of the regulations and like corona being able to open places up again they had an actual location in miami where a couple of the girls were able to go and perform live with like a, a real camera crew and lighting and everything. So it was Oh, like, so they were like oh, live yes. on the stage, but then it was, got it, got it, got yeah. it. That was Twink so and was who else was in that number? Morphine. And Morphine. It was the Morphine. House of Love. My girl. It was crazy, but it's like now that we've set that kind of standard for ourselves as far as a digital festival and we're still raising money, like I'm, I'm looking forward to the future of seeing like, okay, this was a, a, a tester of what we can do. And now how are we going to take it to the next level and make it bigger and raise more money? Do you think that digital drag, because this is a question that's coming up now that like literally cities are opening up too early and whatnot. Let's not get into it. Girl. Do you think digital drag will be still a viable uh, source of entertainment after Miss Corona? I believe so, because I think a lot of people, this is not shade. I think a lot of people who are not great at onstage performances are thriving online yes. because they have the, T, the availability edit. and correct edit and like give backgrounds and effects and everything like, and I love that, especially for the people who are more creative than I am. I'm like, I love seeing the shit they do with the edit. And I also like the ability to stay home and still enjoy drag. And I know there are a lot of people, especially like in the LGBT community, like don't feel like comfortable going out all the time. Like be, not everyone's an extrovert. Not everyone wants to be in a loud, noisy club. Not everyone wants to be out until 3 a.m. But if you yeah. can enjoy a drag show from the comfort of your couch and just drink a beer, 
so be it and still support and tip the queens and kings and things and be involved with and be involved with the drag community and scene without physically being there yeah i think it would be really cool to stream live shows and at live shows where there are people have a projected because now the uh, you know like we learn about this all the time like as you produce events like you have to train your audience to expect a certain thing like i've traveled around to a lot of different cities and in certain places it's like everyone tips really well because you teach your audience that's Mm -hmm. what you do so now we know how to watch a drag queen lip sync to a song on a video for three and a half minutes so now you can actually do that you can do a mix of that and live show and then you could stream the whole thing you know like you could you could have a club night where there are 300 people in in there in person but 2,000 people watching at home I also am just kind of excited to see like some of the good numbers you know how um, at precinct and certain bars they'll just play the music video and stuff like now we can replace that with like actual good content from drag queens and pop well, the good ones should Gee. go up. Not the. I don't want a bad one. I don't want to see bad right. ones. Because just the, like well, everything, everyone knows that they have good and bad numbers. I know that my <laughs> physical video is not good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. These are things that I know. <laughs> you did. I don't need to hear why. <laughs> you did. I don't need to hear why. I don't. And you knew need it, and then you why? still ran through the butt in front of the green screen in the wrong outfit. Why? The continuity was off, sis. I think, well, also, they do this in Florida. Back to the point. They do this in Florida. Like, uh, my drag mom hosts (laughs) hosts, um, a drag brunch. And because there can only fit a certain amount of people because of regulation, she streams the drag brunch online as well Mm -hmm. from from the restaurant. And I think I've been thinking about this in reference to just unfriendly black hotties. Like, the club that we do it at, Splash, has screens everywhere. Mm. So even in between, like, we could stream those live performances, but on our commercial breaks or whatever like play our videos yeah with our little venmo qr code at the bottom scan that shit and tip me because i'm also not touching actual physical money until at least 2021 because yes. that's disgusting <laughs> Wait, when so, is your when is yeah. your first club gig when are you first hit oh, i don't have any yet at all are, and i when, won't be taking any okay oh, no. that's what i guess i'm asking is because now i'm starting to get invites to go perform places starting in july like physically be in a, a room full of people and take money out of their hands do you yeah, remember the naked to you do you remember the naked gun film when they wore the full body condoms yes yes yep. yeah i perform in a hazmat suit i hope they don't mind i can put a costume on over the hazmat i was curious about how you felt miss toto about the virus because i your look Girl. was stunning at the drag march but i didn't see a mask Honey, I forgot my mask. That's the tea. That is actual tea. But then I was like, also, all these people are like far away in front of me, so I'm okay. Well, also, everyone else had a mask, so you could be the one without it, and you were beat. So it's me and Dipper (laughs) went to that that march, and uh, I at one point took my mask off to drink water, and he turned around and caught me at that moment. Was like, put your mask on. (laughs) Well. I but I will like, say, I thought that I was going to get Corona. Like, I just went and got tested and came back negative. But I've been to three different marches, been up on top of people, been running from people. Like, I've been doing a lot and nothing. I'm fine. You're staying protected. Like, in Texas, I think uh, my friend was telling me that, like, they're doing shows. The people have to stay seated. The queens can't get off the stage. So it's a very, like, disconnected experience. And the money is being, like, collected in a tip bucket. So you it, don't have to touch anything. 
in some in some counties in California, you have to do it that way because of the liquor license. They're not allowed oh, to yeah. physically take money. So, yeah. I don't know. See, yeah. I'm not doing it. Like I'm or I'm wearing like <laughs> multiple layers of gloves. Yes. I was wearing my mask at the club before every like the regulations and people were like, "You're scaring the patrons." I'm like, "Baby, I don't care." Yeah. I'm wearing my mask. Period. They should be scared. <laughs> right. Um okay, so we're going to round things out. I love talking to you. You're so great to yeah, talk Yeah, this is to. so fun. Should we ask just some we didn't ask half of these questions. It's fine. Pick um, one. Pick a couple. I'm you, ready. You have Let's a do dog? It. You have a yep. dog named Tate? My dog is Tate. Oh, right oh my God. Does Tate travel from city to city with you as well? Yes, girl. Tate flies. She's been to LA, Chicago, Miami, DC, New York. <laughs> Has Tate girl. been to a drag con yet? Yes, Tate was at last year's drag con. Yes. <laughs> do you wear Tate in a baby Bjorn on your chest? No, she's so big. It takes like 70 pounds. I could carry it, but... I, I was like, like, act like you can't carry it. <laughs> like, you can walk around with 100 right. pounds in your arm, no problem. Um, yeah, she's fine. Do you have sex in drag? Are you that girl? I have I have not had sex in drag. I have had sex whilst getting out of drag. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I'm not getting, like, plowed in the wig. But, like, let me take my wig and my lashes and everything off, and then we'll, like, figure it out. And... <laughs> Yeah, because you got some big old hip pads. You got some body yes, shape. Girl. And that's hard to get to. <laughs> I need to get the pads off, and I'm not trying to get like stains from my makeup in the bed. Like we're mm-hmm. not doing that. Right. As a brown girl, it's not happening. You like you do the like the foreplay, the seducing, and then you go, just pause for one moment. <laughs> Rip it like, all off. Y'all off. like the girl behind it, but let's let's find the other person behind the makeup because we're not doing those. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we were also we sort of mentioned it earlier, but my sober life, my sober life, this free life, honey. Oh wait, this, this free, free life. life. Why did I? Why did I write my? Sober I don't know. You life? kept on saying it was a sober event, but I vaguely remember there being alcohol at one. I was wrong. why did I think it was a sober party? I really feel like I was like upstairs sweating my ass out with like a ton of tequila. Yeah, we got you a bottle. So um, it was it's a tobacco free. It was a tobacco free uh, uh, campaign. Got so, it. No smoking, but you can drink. Absolutely, honey. Because I was like, oh damn, she's sober. No, absolutely not. Okay. In got this it. in this political climate, being sober. <laughs> no, can you ma'am. Can you no, ma'am. <laughs> um, okay. Um, yeah, go meatball. Uh, I was. What were you gonna ask? Nothing. I was just I, I was curious about the sobriety, but that whole line of questioning has gone out the window because I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not sober. <laughs> I love that. What? What? Um, okay, so people can follow you at the Miss Toto. On Twitter and Instagram. Um I think I mean I don't use Facebook. And then my YouTube is Miss Toto three oh five because the Miss Toto was already taken. And oh. you, uh, wait, and where is your drag name from? What's the origin of it? So, Toto in Dominican Spanish slang means pussy. And then it's mm-hmm. also a, like a luxury brand of toilet, which I thought was funny. Oh, so it is. Miss, yeah, like the Kardashians all have Toto toilets. So, Miss <laughs> Toilet Pussy. Um, but then Miss also toilet for like, pussy. the PC crowd. For the PC crowd, they're like, oh, it's like the dog from the Wizard of Oz. I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but didn't they, um, Carla Coqueta, just used to call you like, yeah, I'm was, in love with Mitoto. That's it. That's the, instead of like, I'm in love with the cocoa, it's I'm in love with Mitoto. And that's what they would always like chant and cheer before I would go on stage. I'm like, Tinkerbell, I need chants and cheers before I can like actually get on. <laughs> I and I need that. tequila. Well, it, it, we, we had it for you, honey. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Yeah. Everyone go follow, me. go watch all of her videos. They're so funny. Oh, yeah. You've and been really turning out the content. Be- we were talking about like digital spaces. It's been really cool um, because now we don't, we're not in person in a studio doing this podcast. We've been able to get people that we've wanted, but like scheduling hasn't worked out because of LA trips or whatever. So this was very exciting. You've been on the list for a while. Well, thank you for having me. This has been really fun. <laughs> Great. Well, I guess right. that's it. Bye, bitch. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Sloppy Seconds. You can follow us on Instagram at Sloppy Pod. Send us an email at Sloppy Seconds Pod at gmail.com. And you can call in with your fuck talk story to 213-536-9180. Or 1-800-WICKED. Okay, and follow us, uh, Big Dipper Jelly, Spiciest Meatball, Fat Drag Meatball on Twitter, and our guest... Don't forget to subscribe! Our guest, Miss Toto, is at the Miss Toto. And also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. doodle doo doo forever dog. Sloppy Seconds is a forever dog podcast. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Mix and mastered by Will Pitts. Our cover art was drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey. <laughs>